Well, good afternoon, good morning, and good evening. Whatever time of day it is that you're listening to this program, welcome to Philadelphia Eagles Talk with Jeff. Have you got your Kelly Green jerseys, Eagles fans? I mean, what a scene this morning uh, that I saw uh, at uh, Lincoln Financial Field at the Pro Shop, where there were Eagles fans lined up, I guess, as early as 3 in the morning for the release at 9 a.m. of the new, quote-unquote, Kelly Green jerseys. And I use that quotation for a reason, and I'll get to that just in just a moment. Um, before I get started, welcome to the program. Uh, we are less than a few weeks away from the Eagles' first uh, preseason game, and uh, actually they're going to be on in pads tomorrow. I'm uh, recording this episode on Monday the 31st. Tomorrow we're into August, officially. And uh, the Eagles, due to the collective bargaining agreement, all NFL teams uh, can start uh, wearing pads. It's amazing all these little rules and regulations that are in these agreements now between the players' union and the teams. Because up until this point, even though training camps opened, the teams were not able to, the players and teams were not able to dress in pads yet. So, I don't know, man. I just, I don't know. which way I side with all these type of things. But, I mean, it's football. Put the freaking pads on. You know, I guess I'm old school in that way. I mean, look how many injuries have already taken place amongst, you know, in the league already. Joe Burrow. I think Denver's lost their wide receiver already. Um, Someone else got hurt. He's out for like six months. I was reading today. Someone else. Um, You know, I mean... Injuries are going to happen, folks. It's football. It's not golf. It's not swing dancing. Not, you know, injuries are going to happen. I don't, I just, I don't like the coddling. I just, it's too much coddling. Too much. The the pendulum has gone way too far in one direction now. uh, With a baby and coddle these players. It's football. It's going to be injuries, and you can't even prevent them even when you're not in pads and you're not tackling to the ground. Look at all these injuries that have already happened. We're not even a week into uh, training camp. Anyway, went off on a little bit of a tangent there. But uh, before I get back to the Kelly Green jersey releases today, uh, I want to thank everybody for, for tuning in, as always. Uh, let me throw out the... Uh, Website, email, where you can uh, communicate with the show, ask any questions, give us your comments on the upcoming season, on any podcast. This is a podcast, I believe it's 139, I want to say. So we are closing in on 140 podcasts. This could be 142, I don't know. 139, 140, something around there. Uh, so thanks again for joining. That email address for the show, by the way, is petwgp at gmail.com. Once again, petwgp at gmail.com. The other thing I wanted to point out is uh, 
I did launch a Facebook page, so any of you out there on Facebook uh, can find the program. Uh, I just recently put that out this week, and I already have a few uh, followers and likes. So some people have already finding me out there. I want to give a shout-out to an Eric Bentley, uh, who has uh, jumped on as a uh, follower of the program on through uh, Facebook. So uh, please find that through Facebook, by the way. Another way you can interact with the program as well. You can uh, send me questions. It's another way that you can just I can connect with you, the audience, and you can connect with me as the host. So again... Uh, it's the self-titled, uh, web, uh, you know, Facebook page. So, uh, show name is Philadelphia Eagles Talk with Jeff. And that's simply all you need to do to search in Facebook and be able to find the page. So I uh, encourage you to do so go out there and, uh, and find the page. And, uh, it's, it's like I said, it's another avenue and means of which we can connect with each other. So, uh, all right, enough of that. All right. Now, um, let's see. Back to the Kelly Green. Someone needs to explain to me, because I I really find this kind of ridiculous, in all honesty. Um, because it's not like you haven't been able to buy Kelly Green jerseys ever since the Eagles had Kelly Green jerseys. So I I don't quite understand the big craze and madness quite frankly, over these new jerseys. Now, there's no bigger fan of the Kelly Green than me. Those Eagles teams are, you know, they're the teams of my youth. They were the teams that solidified my Eagles fanaticism. Because, I mean, I started as an Eagle fan in the mid-80s, early to mid-80s. You know, 84, 85. I mean, that's really when I started really watching the Eagles. And I was only a, you know, 12-year-old kid. I was playing, you know, um, what they called midget football back then. Um, I think it's basically Pop Warner, I think is what they call it now. But I was playing football back from seven years old. I started playing football. Seven, eight years old um, through 12 years old. And then I played again uh, in high school. Um, but when I was in those formative years of 10, 11, 12, and I started becoming an Eagles fan at that time, and I'm from Connecticut, folks. You know, again, I'm sure I got new listeners out there that may not be aware of that. I'm not from Philadelphia. I'm uh, born and raised in Connecticut, and I've been an Eagle fan since I was, you know, 8, 9, 10 years old. So I'm going, I just turned 50 uh, a month ago. So i am got 40-plus years of Eagles um, knowledge and fanaticism. And like I said, you know, once Cunningham and, you know, and that great defense with Reggie White and Clyde Simmons and Jerome Brown and Eric Allen and Wes Hopkins, Andre Waters, Seth Joyner, all those guys, man, I love that team. Even though they didn't win anything, I love that team. That team was fun to watch. Anybody my age or, you know, that, that was able to watch that team along with me know exactly what I'm talking about. They weren't a they were a good team, but they were never great. And there's a lot of reasons behind that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. Maybe I'll have a podcast down the road where I could just talk about that era, the Buddy Ryan era. But that was fun football because the Eagles, even though they weren't you know a great team, they didn't win any Super Bowls. Um, heck, they didn't even get a playoff win until a little bit later. Um, 
but they used to just disrupt and kill teams. And that's what made the Eagles fun. Nobody wanted to play the Eagles back then. That defense terrified offenses. Terrified them. And that was the era of the Kelly Green. And uh, so there's a lot of great, deep memories for me, as well as many Eagle fans, of the Kelly Green, that Philadelphia Eagle period of, you know, the mid to late 90s through, I think they changed their uniforms in the late eight, late 90s. So, um, you know, they were Kelly Green through those, through a good decade plus. So I'm not, I guess the only reason why I'm, I'm giving you that background info is I love the Kelly Green jerseys, but I'm not one that got all bent out of shape when the Eagles decided and Jeffrey Lurie came in and decided to change the Eagles uniforms. I like the, the new Eagle uniforms. I got no problem with them at all. The only issue I, or the only potential issue, the only thing that's that I've always said that the Eagles better not ever, ever, ever change at all is the wings on a helmet that those wings on a helmet, they can never, ever change ever. That's what makes those Eagles uniforms so unique. And I've had people ask me, and I have mentioned this on my podcast way back in the beginning, but a lot of those podcasts I had to delete due to storage at one point. Um, now I no longer have to delete, to delete any episodes, but I did at one time. Um, so I've talked about how, you know, being from Connecticut, you know, I'm in Giants and Patriots country. I got people always asking me, how the heck did you become an Eagles fan? Why are you an Eagles fan if you're not from Philly? Or they, you know, they start the question off by, are you from Philadelphia? You know, when I tell them I'm an Eagles fan, I'm like, no. And so like, how become, the next question is always, how did you become an Eagle fan? And I've said this before, and I can't really pinpoint and say, this is why. There, but I do know that there's like three factors into why I became an Eagles fan. And again, this all is back when I was a kid. One of them is, again, that football team that I spoke about. The first year that I was on that team, you know, eight years old or so, we were the Winslow Locks Eagles. And they were only the Eagles for one year. The following year, they changed that name to the Jets. And that same program to this day, 40 some odd years later, is still called the Jets. But that first year, they were the Eagles. So I, you know, again, young, impressionable kid. I had the Eagles in my, you know, I was playing for the Eagles, my own home little town there. And then, um, you know, I saw the Eagles uniforms either on TV or, or something. You know, I, I can't, again, I was a young kid, so I'm not sure what, but I just always thought that the Eagles, Helmets, the wings on the helmets, I always thought was an awesome uniform. And I guess I liked green too, I, I suppose. I, I don't know. But um, so I think that I know that the Eagles helmets factored into that. And I always thought, you know, when you're going through 10, 11 years old, you start learning about American history. Philadelphia was, um, you know, one time the capital of the United States. Not only that, but it was a very historical city uh, in the origins of the United States. A lot of history in Philadelphia. So you always heard about Philadelphia when you're first learning about U.S. history. And so I guess I just thought that that was always cool, too. Um, so, I, again, I can't 
just say, hey, this is the reason why I'm an Eagle fan or became an Eagle fan. But those are like three of the reasons. But I tell you, because I bleed green as deeply as anyone who grew up in Philadelphia. I can tell you that with 100% confidence. You would think I was born and raised in Philadelphia. And what's interesting to me is like when I got old enough where I could actually start going to Eagles games on my own. Because obviously I wasn't able to see an Eagles home game until I was in my late 20s, mid mid to late 20s. Now I go every year. I, I make a trip down there and watch two or three games. Um, but, you know, I wasn't able to do that for majority of my, well, all of my childhood, even through high school. I never was able, you know, I rooted for the Eagles like I, you know, um, like I was from Philadelphia, but I never, ever saw them play. Um, so I'm as passionate as any Eagle fan that has a heartbeat. I can say that with the utmost confidence. And uh, people just believe, just think that I was from Philadelphia or I'm from Philadelphia because that's how big of an Eagles fan I am. I don't, I don't hide the fact that I'm an Eagles fan in Connecticut. With all the Giants and Patriot fans around here, I have I wear Eagles green all the time. I have bumper stickers on my car, Eagles. Um, I talk Eagles all the time. I, I don't I don't hide the fact that I'm an Eagles fan. In fact, most people know me, and the first thing they'll say, "Hey, what do you know about Jeff?" What's the first thing that comes to mind? Even the ones that just casually know me, uh, he's an Eagles fan. <laughs> I mean that that's uh that's gonna be like on my uh that's probably if, if someone was to write a, a biography or just have a profile of, of Jeff uh that's one of the first things that they would have on there. Philadelphia Eagles fan. That's me. So um so getting back to and, and here's the other thing, I'll just say one last point about this because I don't want to bore you to death about money origins, but I, I do think hopefully some of you find it interesting. Um, when I do go to Philadelphia, when I go to tailgate, because I make sure that whenever I go to Eagles games, I am there early and I tailgate for four or five hours plus before the game, like everybody else. And that's because that's the most fun part of being in Philadelphia. And when I drive down there and as soon as I get to the Philly area and, and driving to the stadium, it's a weird sensation. It's almost like I was, I had a, a previous life in Philadelphia. You know, I'm not all that religious. You know, I'm more spiritual, spiritual than anything else. But, you know, you talk about reincarnation, and if you do believe that, and again, I don't, I'm not here to tell you one way or the other if that's true or not. I have no idea. But I have to say, whenever I do get to Philly, I feel like I'm at home. It's like my home away from home, even though I never lived there. And that's the best way I can kind of explain it. The energy, I just feel like, man, I'm, I'm home. Being surrounded by, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of Eagle fans. It's, it's an amazing feeling. And I don't think, like, if you're born in Philadelphia and lived in the area and grew up there, that you actually can relate to that feeling. I mean, you can to a degree, but not to, not to the degree that I can because I didn't grow up in the area. So it, to me, it's just a different level of, experience and passion anyway back to the kelly green jerseys <laughs> why how does this tie all in well again uh i just wanted to say that you know i love those kelly green jerseys but what is the craze behind these these uniforms someone needs to explain to me why 
there were hundreds. I mean, you could see it on YouTube or whatever. There's clips, Facebook. People lined up. Like like you see them with the new Apple iPhone releases, which that always drove. You know, I always wondered about that, too. I'm like, dude, you'll eventually get your iPhone, man. No reason for you to 10 out and wait for it to. You know, for the stores to open on the release date. I just that's the type of stuff I just always thought was nuts to begin with. But this is even this takes it to a different level because the Kelly Green jerseys have been around. It's not a new release. I mean it is, but it's not. I mean, you can buy Kelly Green jerseys all along. Go to eBay, Mitchell and Ness. You know, you could buy Kelly Green jerseys. Maybe not of I guess what the new craze must be is that you can't get, you know, you haven't been able to get like Jalen Hurts Kelly Green jerseys because he didn't play back then. Okay. But still, you're going to wait, you're going to line up at three in the morning just so you can get those jerseys that are going to be sold forever going forward. I just, I don't understand that. Someone needs to explain to me why uh, people would do that because I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't know. I think it's crazy. That's just me. It's just me. Plus, you can order it online anyway. You know, you don't need to go stand out. Just order them online. Yeah, maybe they'll be in back order for a while, but you'll eventually get them. Do you need to have them today? I don't know. Maybe I just have a different mentality about that. But I have Kelly Green jerseys, too. So it's not like it's not a big deal to me. I have Reggie White's Kelly Green jersey. You know, I bought my brother for his birthday last year. I got him a Wes Hopkins Kelly Green jersey. You know, for his birthday. And um, it must be that you can now get the, the current players in the Kelly Green. But again, why are you going to line up at 3 in the morning for that? I don't understand it. And here's the other thing. It's not like the Eagles changed back to the Kelly Green uniforms. They, they did not. They're going to wear them twice for two games during the season. Two games, they'll be able to wear their throwback Kelly Green jerseys. It's not like they changed their uniforms back. So I don't, I don't get that. I understand that, you know, it's new and it's cool. And it's, and it's nice that the Eagles did that. You know, to, to bring back Kelly Green for their current current players and uniforms and stuff. That's all great. I mean, I do like it a lot. That is awesome. But to get to the level where you got to stand outside, start start lining up outside the door at 3 in the morning. And there were hundreds, if not, th- I mean, I don't know the number, but it was pretty long line that I saw. People just waiting out line of the pro shop to make sure they get their hands on a Kelly Green jersey this morning. Oh, man. Well, more power to you. I hope you did get anyone who did that. I certainly hope you did get your jersey. All right. So um, enough about that. So what are we going to talk about today? I'm like 20 minutes in, and I haven't even really got to the talking points, although I did want to talk about the jerseys. Um, so... Out of uh, camp so far, and obviously I'm not going to put too much credence into this, but I do think feel like it's something I talk about because it's a very important position. And and that is there are some reporters out there that are saying that, you know, 
N'Kobe Dean has not really stood out much in camp so far. That he might even be struggling, some are surmising. I'm not going to go crazy about that. I'm only going to mention it because that's that's a talking point that's kind of getting out there right now. Um, I think some growing pains for N'Kobe Dean, even though he was, you know, this is his second year, are to be expected. And I, I'm not going to be too concerned about that right now. Um, I'm just not. I'm only going to mention it because it's out there. And my job uh, on this podcast is to keep you up to date on, on you know, what's going on in camp. And, and that's one of the narratives that just started. It's not really been a loud one. It's not headline news. But there's some, uh, there's some people that are talking about N'Kobe Dean and how he's been unimpressive, I guess, might be the best way to categorize it so far in camp. And maybe that's because some of the other Eagles and younger Eagles are standing out a little bit more than he is. Um, you got to, I mean, he's a very important player and the Eagles are putting a lot of, I don't want to say pressure, but a lot of responsibility on N'Kobe Dean. And he is going to be critical to the success of this defense. And I also explained how uh, in a couple podcasts ago that I feel that Jordan Davis is probably the most important um, training camp body player uh, this year to take a big step because he's critical and he, and his success is going to directly relate to Nicobe Dean's success because by him doing his job, and I said, he's not going to be a much of a pass rusher and he'll be out there to think he's going to be, you know, a big sack guy. That's not his job. Every, any sack that, Jordan Davis gets this year, we'll you know, just, just rack it up as a bonus. It'd be nice. His job is two things. Clog the run holes so that then the Kobe Deans and the other linebackers can then go in there and secure the tackle and, and, and you know, stop the run. His other job is to collapse the pocket by getting that push up the middle. Those are the two things. Those are two primary responsibilities of Jordan Davis. Okay, and if he's able to do that, then Nicobe Dean is going to have a much more uh, productive uh, year at linebacker and a much shorter learning curve because he won't have to be his job will be a little bit easier. Let's just put it that way. Now, I think Nicobe Dean is a very smart player. I think uh, from that aspect of the game, uh, he's going to be okay. Um, but he's undersized, and that's the concern that most of us all have about Nicobe Dean, and that's another reason why Jordan Davis needs to really – the job up front is going to be so crucial to um, his um, productivity. And um, because if he's taking on guys that get through that line one-on-one, you know, I, he's a pretty good tackler. I'm not going to say that he's not a good tackler, but he's undersized. I mean, he could literally be run all over. Run or run over, I should say. So, um, we'll see. But I just, I just wanted to put that out there because some people are, are saying he's not stood out yet, and I'm like, to me, it's like it's. I've said this before. This type of training camp, you can sit there and have your, you know, cameras and eyes on these guys, but they're not even playing football until tomorrow. Then I'm going to have pads on. They haven't had pads on. So for people to say, oh, he's, he looks like he's struggling or we haven't seen much of him and, you know, haven't, haven't seen much out of the Kobe Dean or he's been unimpressive, yada, yada, yada. Uh, that stuff, all of that, and I've said this before, anything that goes on between now and the preseason games 
doesn't really mean much to me. Um, until they actually start hitting each other, tackling each other in these preseason games, then that's when they will either pass or fail my personal eye test. Um, so anything prior to that is uh, leaves a lot to be desired. Now, I said this before that you'd rather hear positive things from the people that are watching these practices. You know, you'd like to hear, you know, that they're, you know, playing well. And they are playing some football. It's not like they're not. I mean, they're passing the ball around or, you know, those type of things. So the cornerbacks and wide receivers, you can tell and it hurts and how he's throwing the ball. That type of stuff, those type of valuations, I think, um, make more sense than, you know, the Kobe Dean and, and whether he's, you know, intercepting passes or anything like that. You know, I don't know. I don't know what they're really evaluating or what their criteria is to be for those that are out there questioning, you know, Nicole Dean already, not even a week into training camp. So I don't know. I think they, these these type of um, reporters, they need stuff to write. And I think if it's a slow news day, quote unquote, they have to uh, reach for things to talk about. And I think that might be what's happening here with Nicole Dean. I'm not concerned about Nicole Dean right now. I'll wait until I, I personally see him in some of these preseason games. And even though he's a starter, and this is the thing that's going to drive me nuts because some of these guys need to play in these preseason games. And what, what I have a feeling might happen because the Eagles in recent years, especially under Sirianni, just do not play their starters in preseason. And I'm like, Nicobe Dean needs to play. You know, there's guys, Jordan Davis needs to play. Jalen Carter, I know he's a starter. He's going to be a starter. He needs to play. So these kids, these rookies need to play. I don't know whether they're starters or not. And not even not even rookies, but like first-year guys who haven't started yet, like Nicobe Dean. He needs to play in the preseason. So I'm hoping Seriani does that, but I, I fear that he may not, just based on his, you know, his past strategy um and history with preseason. Um Christian Ellis, conversely, seems to continue to impress those same people that seem to have concerns right now or pretend small concerns about Nicobe Dean. They're raving about Christian Ellis. Now, again, I've told you, that's my sleeper guy. I uh, I liked what I saw from him last year, and he seems to be having another strong camp so far. Um, I think this guy's going to land a starting role in this team. I just do. Um, we'll see. He's got a he's got a long way to go before the uh, opening day here, but um, but Christian Ellis continues to turn some heads. Jalen Carter, let's talk about him. Another guy that everyone seems to be impressed by uh, so far, which is again good. You'd rather hear positive things than not. Uh, I think Jalen Carter is going to be a beast, but uh, I don't know how much you can really expect out of him in his first year. Like this guy's not going to go out there and get ten sacks. Um. If he does, then we have, you know, <laughs> that, that would be ridiculous. But, uh, you know, I think five to six sacks would be realistic for Jalen Carter this year. And if he exceeds that, then, damn, we're well on our way to having a force on the team. But I think we've got to keep the expectations realistic um, for Jalen. And let's just figure him to get five. If he gets five or six sacks, I'd be – I'd be super happy if he's doing his other job, stopping run and all that kind of thing and helping collapse that pocket so that the Josh Sweats and, and Brandon Graham's of the world and, 
and uh, Hassan Reddicks can get to the quarterback, that's his primary position. That's that role in the defensive tackle. That's what your your main job is. And if you can get five or six sacks on top of that, then damn, you're well on your way. That's the way I look at it. Um, but he came out and said something along the lines of uh, that, uh, you know, it seems like everyone else hates Dallas, so uh, I can't wait to beat him too or something like that. Or I might as well join the club. I don't remember the exact quote that he had, but the bottom line is that he jumped on the, uh, um, you know, the anti-Dallas sentiment in Philadelphia. And uh, uh, I wish I had the quote in front of me. I, I probably should have it, but you know, some of you probably know what I'm talking about. But the, the bottom line is that he uh, he's basically said that everyone everyone hates Dallas around here, so I, you know I hate him too. Was the message that he basically said? So there's a one way to score some early fans in Philadelphia. That's a good way to do it, there, Jalen. So uh, let's just hope that uh, when you do play the Cowboys, that you uh, have some of your best games. And you, the people will jump on board and be even bigger fan of you. Uh, because, as you know, we hate, hate the Cowboys in Philadelphia. Um, I didn't talk about Josh Sweat last uh, podcast too much. Um, I didn't want to kind of, you know, I didn't overlook him on purpose. But I just feel that this is a guy that I feel might have a big year. He's he's really in his prime years now. Um, and he is probably, outside of Redick, our best pass rusher. And I think that he will continue to have another, um, you know, big season. This could be a huge season for sweat. I mean, you know, could he get 15 sacks this year, 16 sacks, something like that? I think it's very possible for sweat to do that. Um, again, especially if both Davis and Jalen Carter and obviously an older Flex Fletcher Cox are able to get that push up the middle and, and get those get the quarterbacks to step out a little bit or be hesitant and shrink that pocket up, collapse that pocket in and let those other outside guys get to the quarterback. I mean, I think Sweat has got a shot at, you know, 15, 16 sacks. And uh hopefully he does that. That'd be great to great to see. So I love Josh Sweat. I'm, you know, that guy guy's an easy guy to root for. Nolan Smith. The more I listen to this guy, and he's also another one that people are raving about so far in camp. Um, I I really can't. He's one of those guys I can't wait to watch. Much like Sidney Brown, I would I would rank him Sidney Brown number one, Nolan Smith number two, and Jalen Carter number three. And man, the only reason about the Carter thing is because I I kind of just expect Carter to be great, and I'm not. You know, I just feel he's he's it's almost an automatic. Now, that's might be an unrealistic expectation for me to think that Carter's going to come in and just automatically be good because he's going to be a rookie, and he might have you know he could struggle his rookie year. Many players do, but I just feel in my own personal rankings of guys I can't wait to see or I'm going to be watching the most in this preseason and and hopefully during these games in preseason is those three, you know. Sidney Jones, I'm um, not Sidney Jones, rather. Sidney Brown, Sidney <laughs> Jones. What team is, I think Sidney Jones is now in the Bengals. I think I just looked him up recently, and I think that's where he is now. I was wondering where he, he went after Seattle. He is now a Bengal, I believe. So, um, But Sidney Brown, the safety, who, by the way, started getting his playing time with the twos. He was 
on the third unit, and he's kind of getting a little playing time with the twos. Sounds like they're going to break him in slowly, but I do think that at some point he's going to push for the number one starting right off the bat. Uh, maybe they're not going to put a rookie in yet to that position. They want to really give him some time to to uh, kind of you know work his way into the number one uh, starting safety. But you know he's already kind of he started off with the threes early on, and he I guess he's already they're mixing him now with the two unit. Uh, with safety units, so he seems to have already kind of been slowly, incrementally uh, getting up there. But he's number one, and Nolan Smith is the next guy that I can't wait to see him get after it because he just says all the right things. He says all the things you love to hear uh, from a young, you know, pass rusher, and he can't wait to start hitting people, um, you know, and. Uh, and apparently he's been smoking some of the uh, veteran offensive tackles. Uh, I think it was him, I believe, that already beat Lane Johnson in practice. Now, you know, Lane's not going to give it 100% as if it's a game situation. So, But still, if you're beating Lane Johnson, and I believe he did, what would have been a sack on a quarterback, obviously they're not able to hit each other. But he beat Johnson, apparently on a play. And if you're able to do that, whether Johnson's, you know, really going at it 100% or not, and I'm sure he's not. I mean, you know, but um, but even still, you know, he's an all-pro, all-time tackle. And if you're even able to beat him when Johnson might be going at 80%, that, that says a lot if you're a rookie. So I'm, I'm very uh, anxious to see Nolan Smith. And, again, I really hope, you know, if Sirianni listens to this program, I know he doesn't because – He's trying to, you know, coach a team right now. But if he was, Nick, please play these guys in the preseason. All right, let's uh, talk about the running backs real quick, and then I'm going to wrap things up talking about the uh, changes in our coaching staff. So who's going to be the starting number one running back? That's another, you know, debate going on. Is it going to be Swift? Is it going to be Penny? Could it be Gainwell? The only one you know is not going to be number one guy would be Scott. Um, he's going to you know just do his thing and be that complimentary running back and, and kill the Giants. But uh, Swift and Penny. Now, both of these guys are super talented. Both of these guys have had major injuries uh, in their young careers. And both of them are are really good. And um, so one thing we are seeing, and I'm glad because they, I didn't think they did enough of this with, um, you know, Miles Sanders. And again, I think that not only were the Eagle fans too hard on Sanders, but I think the coaches just kind of gave up on him in the passing, in the passing game. I mean, there was never any, I don't think they ran a single screen last year. They would run those stupid bubble screens with, you know, passing it out to the wide receiver and getting a yard or two. I can't stand that play. Uh, when they had Westbrook here and McCoy, the Eagles were one of the best. And I know it was, it was a different coach. It was Andy Reid here. But they were one of the best screen teams in the NFL. So you know this line because a lot of them are here still. Lane's still here. Selleck's still here. Especially Selleck. This guy gets downfield. Um, they're one of the best screen teams in football. They know how to run that play very well. Um. 
Now there's some newer players now in the line, so they're going to have to, you know, help, you know, execute that those screens. But for some reason, they took that completely out of their game plan with Miles Sanders. And even when Gainwell, I mean, Gainwell's the guy that's supposed to be the hands guy, right? And Scott, and they didn't even run screens with those guys when they were in the game. So I don't know why that play has been removed from the playbook. But what is really nice to hear is that the Eagles seem to be really incorporating that into uh, the early stages here of training camp. There's been a lot of screens to the uh, running backs and passing to the running back in general now that they have Swift here and even Penny, but especially Swift, who's got great hands out of the, out of the backfield. I mean, that's, that's what he's known for. And Gainwell's another guy that is known to, you know, to be that type of uh, good pass catching back. Uh, I don't know if, if Penny has been that, I didn't follow him that closely in Seattle, but we know Penny can run. So who's going to be the number one running back? You know, is it going to be Swift? Is it going to be Penny? You hear all of the pundits, you know, got some of them in the penny bank. You got some of them in the swift bank. Um, I tend to think it's going to be swift. Um, but I think it's close. I think it's close um, between the two of them. And I think Gainwell is still going to be, you know, the change of pace type back. Because uh, I think the, I think he fits that role very well, and um, but he's a guy that if you need to, and believe me, with the injury history that both Swift and Penny have, you know, Gainwell could see definitely be in there and pl- you know first down plays, and, and actually he was their red zone back last year, which you know as a Miles Sanders fan kind of ticked me off, but but you know in, in the red zone it was Gainwell, this the guy who got majority of the. Playing time, even on first and second down. Uh, they would almost take Sanders out of the game a lot, um, you know, at times once they got into the red zone. So uh, he's got experience, you know, in those positions as well. So I think running back-wise, uh, the Eagles are in good shape. And whether it's going to be Swift or Penny, it'll be interesting to see going forward on, as to who um, ends up establishing themselves as the, as the number one guy there out of the backfield. Maybe they will never really have – and established number one. And they will just, based on a situation of the game or whatever the you know, game plan is, they're going to use one or the other as the number one. I, I could see the Eagles doing that too and kind of keeping defenses on their toes. I, I could That might be part of Sirianni's um, strategy, you know, not to even have a number one and just have basically one and one A and leave it up to the defense to try to figure out who's going to be the number one guy in a certain game. I mean, that might be an interesting strategy, uh, no more to think about it. All right, now getting back, because I, I don't think that I can really pound this concern enough, and I'm not trying to get people rattled, you know, being doom and gloom, but I, I think that the biggest challenge, even more than, you know, is the Kobe Dean going to be a you know good middle linebacker, um, you know, changes with the offense, with the running back, and all that kind of thing we just talked about, and the safeties. I think that the biggest concern of mine going into this season for the Eagles, especially with the strength of schedule they have, because the Eagles can't get off, they can't afford to get off to a slow start. If there's any um, break, quote unquote, in the schedule for the Eagles uh, this coming season, it's the early part of the schedule. 
the Eagles have to get off to a good start because that schedule gets really super, super hard uh, after about week five. And it's tough for the rest of the year at that point. So the Eagles need to get these wins early. Um, you know, and then they're not going to be easy either because the Patriots game, that's going to be the home opener up there in New England. And that's Tom Brady day. So you know that the Eagles, I mean, the, the Patriot fans rather are going to be jacked up for that game. Big Tom Brady day. And, you know, it's, it's the first game of the year. So there's going to be naturally jitters and, you know, you know, the team's still starting to gel and all this kind of thing. So, you know, the Eagles could get off to a slow start and then, you know, have trouble getting through that game. You know, I hope that doesn't happen. There's nobody more than me that wants to see the Eagles go up there and absolutely ruin Tom Brady's day. I am happy right now that the Eagles are going to be the team that the cow that the uh, Patriots see. That's that's how that's how much I hatred I have for the Patriots because I almost just called them the Cowboys. It's right there, especially when you have Tom Brady Day. I want nothing more than the Eagles to go into New England and ruin Tom Brady Day. I'm glad that it's our team that has the opportunity to do that. That will be a fun day for me. Living up here in Connecticut with all these Patriot fans out of here. I want nothing more than my Eagles to ruin that party uh, there on opening weekend. And that's what my expectation is. But the point is, the Eagles need to get off to a good start. Um, and when I'm talking about the gelling and potential slow starts and all that, that's where my concerns come in because the Eagles have a brand-new offensive coordinator in Brian Johnson and a brand-new defensive coordinator in Sean Desai. And it may take some time for both of the squads to adapt to their new coaching. I think it'll be a little bit less on the offensive side because – you know, let's face it, Sirianni's an offensive coach, and, and he's probably there's probably a little bit less impact of the change on the offense side than it would be in the defensive side. It just kind of just naturally makes sense, right? So if there's going to be a little bit of a setback, potentially, it could be in the defensive side, you know, with Sean Desai. But I, I really don't want fans to overlook the importance and just kind of glaze over the fact that those are two big-time changes that uh, have taken place between last year and this year. You know, because I see a lot of these record predictions, you know, the Eagles, well, they're going to win 12 games, you know, 12 and 5, or 13 and 4, or 14 and 3. And I don't know. I haven't done my predictions yet. I'm going to wait until I have Matt on the show, and we're going to go through the schedule in an upcoming podcast. We'll, we'll do all that, and we'll do our season predictions and all that kind of thing, because I think it's fun. But... um. I'm telling you right now, though, I don't have the Eagles winning 13 games. And maybe not even 12 games. I mean, they have a very tough schedule. The toughest schedule in football. And they're doing that schedule. They're going to navigate that schedule with a new offensive and defensive coordinators. And to think that that's going to be a seamless automatic, you know, is, I think, a little bit too optimistic. Now, I hope it is. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, again, I'm not trying to uh, 
be doom and gloom. But those are important key roles. And to just think that both sides of the, you know, offensive defense are just going to be able to not skip a beat, uh, I think is uh, a little naive. Um, but I just hope that, uh, you know, I hope that those changes implement quickly um, so it doesn't sort of uh, sabotage our season as the uh, both of those uh, squads are trying to figure things out. And I think they're both good coaches coming in. So, I mean, it's not like you got two guys that don't know what they're doing. But it's change, and sometimes change might take a little while to click. So we'll see how that goes. So that's uh, pretty much all I have to uh, talk about on this podcast. Um, we'll continue to monitor uh, training camp going forward and make sure you you know come back here to the program to the podcast and uh, check it out and get your updates and we'll keep you advised as far as any any uh, news breaking for the Eagles and make sure you get out there and get your new Kelly Green jerseys which <laughs> probably are sold out at this point uh, due to the craze and uh, yeah thank you Spotify and iTunes and audible.com and iHeartRadio for carrying the platform thank you for listening as always And until next time, thanks for listening to Philadelphia Eagles Talk with Jeff. Take care, fly Eagles fly, and we'll see you next time. All right.